Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com. If you have not tried out a general manager subscription, now is the time. It is rookie drafting season. Katie and I talked about some rookie drafts uh, just before press and record here. And uh, this is about building dynasty teams. We've got the NFL draft behind us. It was a busy weekend in the uh, in the data cave. Got everything updated. So if you're looking for fresh UTH trade calculator values, forward-looking and dynasty building rankings, as well as all the metrics and data you need to dominate your leagues, uh, UTH Dynasty is the place to go. And Katie, we really didn't talk a whole lot over the weekend about day three. Uh, it was a busy uh, night two of the draft for sure, uh, with a ton of talent at the skill positions, historically strong in terms of volume, profiles, quality. Uh, but going to day three, uh, some players nearly slipping out of the draft. A big difference between going early round four versus late, <laughs> late in, uh, round seven or undrafted. Um, just a wide chasm there. Um, give me one thing, one player that kind of stood out. Maybe it was a team that went heavier at a position than you thought or ignored a position. Uh, what kind of stood out as Saturday was progressing for your dynasty watching eye? Man, it's been so long. And I was in the middle. I, would, I, I was a guest on the Sirius XM uh, Fantasy 101 podcast with Ron McLeese, Mad Dog McLeese. And he said to say hello, by the way. Uh, we had a great, great chat. Three hours, three hours, and talked about Senior Bowl and uh, getting to meet him this past year. And then hopefully next year we're all going to party at his crib down by the ocean. So I'll cook a big dinner you're obviously invited, but we got to go hang out with that crew. So anyway, I was live podcasting during the draft, and uh, we weren't really talking that much about the round. I was every now and again just like pulling my head up and saying, okay, these guys just got taken, and I don't even have my notes. So uh, I don't remember my reaction as things were unfolding, to be honest. Well, let me ask you about one one sure. priority position. Okay that I think is relatively interesting in day three. So I think one of the names at, at, at running back is Eno Benjamin, someone who had been Debbie drafted, someone who had appeal across, you know, a broad spectrum of, of dynasty folks. And yet he is, it seems like every year we have one of those bigger names that, you know, just, just falls through the earth. And Eno Benjamin strikes me as that running back this year where he was surrounded by three, four running backs where, you know, if you, they're niche markets, let's say, you know, every once in a while you would hear someone bring him up as a sleeper, but Eno Benjamin is that bigger name that uh, didn't even grace the top 200. So, and he goes to Arizona where 
I think it's debatable. You know, Chase Edmonds has the pedigree. He flashed with a sparse opportunity uh, before uh, Kenyon Drake came in and before Chase Edmonds was hurt himself last year. But you got to think, you know, Benjamin, the best he can do out of the gate is be a couple injuries away behind Chase Edmonds, and that's with minimal round seven pedigree. Yeah, uh, I have never been that excited about him and Debbie. I didn't see what all the fuss was all about. And then we got to see him up close and personal at the Senior Bowl. And he never really stood out there either. I mean, I really like the way that Joshua Kelly looked. I like the way that uh, Jamichael Hasty looked. I really love Michael Pirine. And, you know, Benjamin just kind of blended in. He didn't stand apart like Kareem Hunt did the year that we were down there uh, with that crew. So it wasn't all that surprising to me. But as far as landing spots, it's not a horrible, horrible landing spot. And he gets to stay in the desert where he went to school. So... That's probably pretty cool for him. Um, Fantasy-wise, I had written him off a while ago. In all of my pre-NFL draft rookie drafts, I don't have a share. And I would probably guess I'm not going to have any post-NFL draft shares either. Yeah, he's decently going in the third round. You know, plenty of, of third round, and that's in super flex, which to me is just a little too high. Uh, it's too pricey when you consider at that point, you, uh, you know, those are not guaranteed dynasty roster spots for all that long. You know, if you're taking somebody at 310 and you take Eno Benjamin, uh, there's not a lot of early wiggle room because if, if there's an injury, he's probably still an injury away. You know, so just the the multiplier effect um, situationally you're going to need. Um, and like you said, you're kind of betting on a guy where you say highly productive two-way player, but it, it would be the does he have NFL traits and NFL tools and by every team passing on him six times, uh, the answer uh, resoundingly uh, has to be no, you know, because there wasn't uh, a big reason why he would have fell, fallen that far in terms of off the field or, you know, he's coming off of an injury, things like that. Um, and like you said, I mean, we pretty much got a milk toast vibe from, uh, from him at uh, Senior Bowl week as well. And one of the things that I've said in the past, but I don't think it holds true here, if you have a deep class at a position, like the running back class has some really good power up front, And then after that, I think it does slide off. The wide receivers are very solid from the top through the middle. There's some boom-bust prospects in there, but, but the wide receiver class is deeper than this running back class. And so for him to fall that many times, that many rounds over and over, it just wasn't the right fit with the team. And sometimes if it's a deeper class, you can say, well, it's just because there was that many offensive skill positions and there's not enough to go around and somebody had to, uh, you know, be that guy. But I don't believe that's the case here. I, I, I think that he will eventually just fade off into the sunset and people will use him as an anecdote at a party a couple years from now. Remember Debbie player? Everybody was hot for Eno Benjamin. Yeah, whatever happened to him? That does sound like a party conversation I would have. <laughs> Remember Eno Benjamin? Remember that guy? We'll start, talk- we'll start talking about uh, Debbie Historics. Um, yeah. at the, the wide receiver position, um, I had two or three things, but the one guy that I remember on Saturday as, you know, checking back in every little bit, updating, uh, data and, uh, the guy that kept falling, kept falling that I think we talked, you know, we wouldn't be shocked if that happened, but he had buzz of like, you know, watch him go on day two, watch him go relatively high. He goes 187 overall and not even to a very good landing spot with the Browns is Donovan Peoples Jones just falling through the floor. And, you know, now it's, well, 
well, here's why. You know, he's boom bust. He never put it together. He's got guys producing more than him, even though it's not a great Michigan situation. Uh, but but again, he falls outside the top 150, where uh, you just see the sheer volume of even day three receivers. There's probably about 10 of them that went ahead of DPJ. And he's got all the tools. He just has not put it together. And now he's going to a spot that unless there's injuries in front of him, I mean, he is going to be probably special teams and minimal offensive time. Yeah. uh, He was one that I was watching for very closely. And to say that he's off my radar now, he is off my radar. Um, There was a slight chance if he would have gone earlier that he could have stayed on the fantasy radar, but he was never relevant at Michigan. I've heard he's a knucklehead. He's not a hard worker to top off, you know, just the natural talent that he had. He just let it just go to waste. He, he wasn't practicing hard. He wasn't working hard. He wasn't learning the playbook. He just, and if you don't do that in college, you are just not going to snap out of it and just all of a sudden wake up and do that in the NFL. And with Cleveland, and everything they got going on there, I doubt he even, it'll be hard, he'll be hard pressed to make the practice squad, I would think. Yeah, I'm looking at some, I, I always like to look at, you know, the, this plus minus system and it kind of what it's what drives and makes you boom bust versus high floor, let's say, you know, if your athleticism, and this is a perfect example with people's Jones, if your athleticism is so much better than your production uh, in the in the projection model, you know, obviously it's what you just said. Are they a hard worker? Because they have all these physical uh, gifts and yet it hasn't translated on the field. So, and especially the later you go in the draft round one, it's pretty insulated because again, the NFL is buying in, even though you do sort of have this slant in your profile, but beyond that, it is a stark drop off and a huge negative uh, in terms of when you, when you shade this direction with athleticism, so much better than production. And basically when you get beyond round four, actually day three in general, you, you look and it's Brandon Marshall, it's Tyreek Hill, and basically everyone else can just go live in the shadows. Honestly, like those are the two guys. If you want to pin to and say, well, these guys did it so this guy can too and I'm planting my flag and and this is the way it's going to be and I'm going to take those shots you know year over year in round three round four of rookie drafts well it's pretty much happened twice in 20 plus years so and people like their flyers though Chad yeah don't take that away from them no, exactly don't they don't. want to discover they want to be the first to discover exactly player I want to be, X. This, this is like the uh, smartest guy in the room theory right of yeah just, it's so uh, sexy like it's, they it's can't, your goal it, right and, and so it's all about improving your probabilities. And honestly, this is one, and I always talk, and I mention Jeff Janis all the time, but I, I, I th- Jeff Janis didn't have this. Like, he was highly productive. He had a lot of traits. He went to the Green Bay Packers, I mean, at a point where it seemed like they had a Midas touch for wide receivers, and now, you know, Marquez Valdez And they had a need And also. a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that, to me, was a little better. It still was not, again, you don't want to take, like, round seven wild dart throw shots at 406 in your rookie drafts because what do you do you sit there and say i'm the smartest guy in the room let me hold this i'm gonna love him and pet him and call him george like you can't do this stuff like because you're just hemorrhaging roster spots where you're like oh well this guy is special oh no no no, i can't cut that guy for an injury away running back in week four why because he's special i picked him four months ago and he's gonna be the greatest he's gonna end up being the wide receiver one on their nfl team this stuff that we build up in our head and i'm saying this because i've done it so 
Tyreek, so Tyreek Hill, Brandon Marshall, again, they've been massive hits from this sort of bucket, but it basically, other than that, does not happen. So you really have to have that in your mind and say, is this perfect storm? Is this really the greatest offense? You know, that, that's going to zoom up Donovan. Like, it, it, he's athletic. And man, if he just gets an opportunity, he's blocked now. But man, it's going to be so great if Odell Beckham goes down or Jarvis Landry goes down. That, I don't think we can say that at all. Like, this is just like a Patrick Mahomes boy. If somebody gets enough snaps in that offense, it's going to be great. Uh, that's the one reason you could kind of try to make exceptions to rules, in my opinion. And this does not qualify even close. Right. I mean, when Antonio Callaway went there, he had a similar, different but similar. He had some off-field issues that made him drop. And so we thought, okay, the guy's got the talent. And he had his moments at Florida where he shone. But for the most part, he was a dud and we knew he was a dud. Well, when you said he dropped, he dropped a 105 in the draft. So, I mean, this was like, this is two and a half rounds more, which I don't think is insignificant. I mean, that is basically saying, I remember Callaway. It's like, oh, he's got, people actually talked about him. If it wasn't for the off field, he could have gone round one or round two. Yeah. But, and, and so what did he end up doing with the Browns? Where is he at right now? Right. Yeah. Honestly, Callaway. He's just an anecdote at a party two years later. Right. Well, he's an example (laughs) of what didn't work out. Exactly. I, I just and find there's so it, many of them. There's so yeah, many I, of them. I just can't believe like there was a, just a giant run in like the 30 picks before Peoples Jones and like seven or eight wide receivers went and they they just they had they yeah, and said, there were some no they, names too. There exactly. Were, some names. we're going wide like, receiver Reed, and we're passing on Reed that guy. Exactly. We're passing yeah. on that guy. Right. Yeah. So, so, so that to me was one huge, of the biggest things. That's a billboard. That's a billboard right there. That tells us right. everything we need to know. Right. Now, let, let's flip it a little bit because who goes two wide receivers later? And it was someone I actually, I think I texted you about it on Saturday that I heard there was some, you know, some, some medical thing popped up. And right. James Prochet, um, you know, I, I expected him to go day three. You know, but I mean, to go after, I think the biggest thing is the sheer volume of wide receivers that went ahead of these two that, that we're kind of highlighting here, um, Prochet especially, just because, I mean, he is established, highly productive. Uh, we saw him. He's able to separate, play outside. He can play inside. He's got a thick build. There's a ton to like about him, and yet he goes 201 overall. And we were just kind of talking about him regarding one of your drafts that, I mean, he's a name that... He's going to a low-volume uh, passing game uh, there with the with the Ravens. Is it going to open up? Well, they just doubled down with J.K. Dobbins, so you got to think they're building a, a a stable back there beyond Mark Ingram that makes you think they're going to keep doing what they're doing. It works. Uh, they were so close to getting to the promised land last year, and uh, Prochet now is going to be, I mean, Devin Duvernay. You know, was drafted clearly ahead of him. You've got a former first rounder. You've got they, they double. You know, now they have just one notable tight end, but they still have ancillary options there. This is a tough nut to crack in terms of how much could he volume could he actually get? Right. The thing about him that I look at differently than some of the other wide receivers that were drafted late in the NFL draft is. You look at, can they play special teams? And the answer for James Prochet is 100% absolutely yes. He can do kick and punt return. Anything that gets him on the team, gets him an opportunity, gets him a look. The more, and he, we saw him in uh, Mobile. He is a hardworking guy. And then that catches the eye of a, of a coach. And then all of a sudden, 
he's working his way up the ranks. Now, I'm not saying, and I'm not advocating for taking him in the third round of rookie drafts, but if you've got four or five rounds, and this is one of your last guys that you can stash somewhere, if you've got the room, and this is for deeper leagues only, he may turn into something, and if he doesn't, okay. But he, I think he's got more of a chance than any of the other names in the in the similar, you know, couple of rounds in the late part of the draft, just because of his special teams play. And like I said, if you can make the team and then you can start to showcase some stuff, he may get an opportunity. And if he doesn't, it's not a high price tag. It wasn't, you know, we're getting a discount on him. The other thing is, I would keep him on your watch list for two or three years down the road. A lot can change. And I look at him as a kind of guy that is probably, probably going to be better for his NFL team than he ever will be for fantasy. But you don't want to ever forget about him completely. You want to keep him on your watch list. Yeah, two guys I think that he should have an advantage, as you mentioned, just the well-rounded nature of what he can offer, special teams, and, uh, and again, just being a – I mean, he's pro-ready in terms of route running and, and producing well that two guys ahead of him on the depth chart, Chris Moore and Jaleel Scott, they don't offer those things in my opinion. So you look at this depth chart, and Miles Boykin's going to make it as a former day two guy, Devin Duvernay, Marquise Brown, Willie Sneed, you know, the veteran presence. But I think that next guy is James Prochet. So, again, I do think he makes that team. I don't think that's going to be a hold-your-breath type situation. Probably they have plans to use him on special teams right away. Um, but let's face it, that is one of the more one through four or five open depth charts. I mean, Marquise Brown showed some things, but I think there are legitimate questions if he is going to be that uh, clear cut, uh, the ball goes through him in the passing game wide receiver. And the Ravens, you know, it, it probably actually their you know, wide receiver one is Mark Andrews. So, <laughs> um, but, but I just think that it's a little more contested in terms of how are those top four or five receivers, you know, you put them in the Yahtzee Cup, you roll it out. I think there's more variance in how that plays out over the next 12 to 24 months than almost any wide receiver depth chart in the NFL. Okay. All right. We're back. Moving on to... Moving on to day three, tight ends. And boy, uh, talk about a lot of names discussed as part of the top 100 or so of the NFL draft. Obviously, the position in general was fading. The closer we got to the NFL draft, reading the tea leaves that NFL teams were going to go running back, wide receiver, um, over tight end pretty repetitively in day two. That's exactly what happened. Uh, and some of the names on day two were surprising as well. But you get to day three, and there were some productive guys. Um, some, uh, there was actually one guy in this, this, you know, I almost rolled 100 in terms of the guys in the projection model. Usually I have to add one or two, some, you know, rogue. I remember uh, Justin, Ga uh, no, uh, Russell Gage, who was drafted on day three by the Falcons, I want to say a couple years ago, that uh, he wasn't in there. And it's like, now I got to go in. That's just an additional line item over the weekend to get his full profile uh, before incorporating him into the, the dynasty player landscape. And that guy was Tyler Davis out of Georgia Tech, tight end, who I was not tracking at all. Jacksonville drafted him late on day uh, late on day three. So um, he was one I had to add, but you've got big names. You know, we saw Harrison Bryant. We saw Bryson Hopkins, uh, Kobe Parkinson, Albert Aquabunum. Uh, these are names that, you know, there were decent odds, especially a couple months ago, uh, but especially before the combine of seeing a lot of these guys in the top 100. And it turns out they all faded to day three. Did, did any of them specifically stand out in terms of falling in the draft or their land, landing spot for you? 
Just Adam Troutman. I like the landing spot with Drew Brees in New Orleans. And yeah, they've got Jared Cook there. But as far as his expectation pre-draft, his expectation pre-senior uh, bowl, for a guy with his traits to, to land in a good organization like that, I think that that is going to make him in a lot of cases the tight end one coming off the board in tight end premium. Yeah, uh, that 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 trade up for the Saints uh, to get Adam Troutman, you know, was was one that you know it was one of those perfect storm moments where you say, wow, you know, landing there, it's sneaky behind Jared Cook, uh, but they're still looking. You know, Emmanuel Sanders is kind of a stopgap number two. I just think the Saints over the next couple of years are one of the more fascinating teams with you know Breeze's contract situation. They recently just re <clears throat> re upped with Taysom Hill. And, uh, you know, they've got some under-the-radar uh, Traquan Smith uh, wide receiver where kind of wondering if they are going to develop. Um, and, and they're just kind of looking for other options that aren't named Kamara and Michael Thomas in that, in that offense overall. So I just think it's, it's pretty interesting overall. And the fact that they used a day-two pick on Troutman um, is going to be interesting if they, if they end up transitioning away or if Jared Cook misses time or maybe just providing what Josh Hill over the years has not in terms of dynasty appeal. Yeah, and also in a down class of tight ends, uh, it's an up class in wide receivers, it's an up class in running backs. Um, New England's needed a tight end for a couple years. They didn't bite last year when they could have gotten Dallas Goddard. He was well within reach, and then the Eagles jump in front of him. Um, I'm sorry, for the Cowboys, they needed a tight end, and they didn't. They got sniped by Philadelphia, and then New England had lots of opportunity to get tight end and they never did and it last year's class was so much better and then for this year for new england to trade up and get two of them in the same round that's a little bit telling to me as well like what did they see i know that you had been mentioning both Asiasi and uh, dalton keen prior to the uh, draft even as guys with good traits so what do you think of the landing spot of the two New England I think it's going to be interesting because the passing game, I mean, th- this feels like, you know, with Edelman still there, um, but I wonder just the entire uh, tide, you know, how much does the tide drop from Tom Brady to whatever their plan is? And right now they have Brian Hoyer, they have Jared Stidham, and who knows if they actually go towards an Andy Dalton or anybody, Cam Newton or anybody else that's, that's currently still out there, but it has the feel, you know, of a team that's going to take a a sizable step back. And in terms of efficiency, I mean, maybe that leads to more catch up time and catch up mode, but the quarterback quality. So it's to me betting on either of them. It's more of a big picture bet than it is like one of them literally is going to walk in, steal the job, have a high market share. I mean, they were both drafted close to each other. Um, I prefer Dalton Keene of the two, but, uh, but it's one that, again, it's typically a slower developing position. And I don't think they're, you know, their quarterback a couple of years from now is the quarterback on the roster. So all those things to me point to if someone is going to, especially in two tight end, you know, really make, really make a bet, you know, a, a bet where you're you're saying no to wide receivers and running backs solely because of the two tight end format, 
that's where I would specifically draw the line. I'm fine if it's, you know, like premium scoring and you can still get, you know, Dalton Keene at, you know, 312 or something and, and you can put him on the taxi and, and basically forget about him for a little bit. Um, that to me is sort of the game plan because I don't think this is going to end up being a fertile ground plug and play, you know, relatively early in relation to p- positional historics or anything like that. And the fact that they took two, two guys, <clears throat> you know, highly, as opposed to, you know, one was three rounds later. Um, it's a much closer um, vote, I think, than if you have a, a certifiable preference between the two. Right. And then what I wanted to get your thoughts on yeah. Albert Aquavonum. He's now with his college uh, quarterback and college other tight end, right? Didn't they both play for uh, Iowa State? Uh, no, no. Uh, it was Noah Missouri. Fan. One's Iowa, one's Iowa State. <laughs> yeah. I always I, get those. Yeah, Iowa, Iowa and Missouri. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, they're, they're, there's a bunch of people yeah. with that like corn. And black the, and in yellow. And if it's black and gold or something, in, someone in just threw something right. at their listening. There you race. go. There you go. It's maze. That, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But what do you think I, of this landing spot? Well, Denver is I, a whole thing to unpack here. But but yeah, but Albert Aquabunum, like yeah, this is one of the lot. sad, I mean, you know, the sad emoji would definitely have been applicable to me because yeah, I yeah. just don't understand. It does not compute for me that he would, A, fall in the draft. He did fall. Mainly it was the falling within the tight end position that got me. And then the other part is, I part of it, me, I can say bravo. Denver Broncos, you took a big-time profile and – you said, we don't care what our depth charts look like. We're going to take best players. So you can definitely view it that way. But he goes behind a first-round pick in Noah Fant. Like he has yeah. – are they going to start running two tight end sets as like a, a you know, roll-back-the-clock New England attack? With, with Cortland Sutton and right, Jerry exactly. Judy. Exactly, Cortland Sutton I and Jerry it. Judy. Like, and I – Melvin Gordon right. and Phil so, Lindsay. And they also took KJ Hamler. So they are just, they're absolutely loading up. And right. again, I think yeah. NFL wise, this makes a ton of sense. My biggest um, quibble concern, you know, uh, and limitation here is just going to be the sheer, even if Albert O in this case that we're talking about is great. Let's say he's great. Is he just going and surpassing Noah Fant on the depth chart? There's a very low likelihood that that occurs. Then you say, well, with the wide receivers, what are the odds that even Noah Fant gets enough targets to have legitimate what his talent would lead you to believe upside? So then you say, well, he's behind that guy. So that's so this totally feels like, I mean, Denver to me, unless Drew Locke is the oracle, then th- this to me feels like you're kind of swimming through the weeds for a little bit in terms of elite all the way up their stratosphere upside. And you need to Make sure if you if you lop that off of your expectations, then I think you can get somewhere in terms of I'm taking talent. Dynasty is about the long term, and I'm trying to get the most talent I possibly can for the best prices. Then I think it's easier to buy in on some of these Denver Denver weapons. But he Absolutely. should be. A, but the good news is, uh, it, you know, two tight end. I mean, you're not going to have to pay for, you know, outside of Cole Komet. Maybe there's somebody else that somebody's willing to pay up for in any meaningful fashion. But this is going to be a pretty nice year to stash players and profiles that you like in a two tight end format. Uh, you know, even into the third and fourth rounds, which usually is not commonplace. So, so that's the good news is you can address other positions, circle back, get the profiles that maybe you would have had to pay a full round more and for. And get a discount. Pre-draft. Yeah. 
this is a this is a season of saying, hey, exactly. we'll take the discount. Because we get that we get that in round one. There's so much talent yeah. in round one of rookie drafts this year that it depends really on the microcosm of your universe, of your league, as to yep. which way they fall. Because I've I've got three drafts going right now post NFL draft. One is Debbie depleted, so it doesn't really count. But the other two are non-Devi, so um, they're both super flex also. And in one of them, I stayed very true to form. It was a startup from last year, so I had the productive struggle as I expected. Ended up with the 101. I also had the 102 from a trade during the startup and the 110 from a trade during the startup, as well as several second-round picks, etc., and I'm on the clock at 101. I try to trade back. I'm not going to take just anything. I still want to value the pick as if as if I'm going to take Joe Burrow or as if I'm going to take Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And no takers, nothing. So I went with Jonathan Taylor. And then at the 102, same thing. Couldn't trade back. Stayed and picked DeAndre Swift. And I think I could have been successful whether I took Akers, whether I took Dobbins, Maybe even Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I don't know for a hundred percent fact, but I do know that of the the running backs, Taylor and Swift have been my one and two for a long time. There was nothing that the draft did that changed my mind, and that's what I ended up doing. And then I ended up getting Jalen Rager at one ten, which I'll take that any day. Is there something that you've seen in early rookie drafts, uh, whether it's yours or questions or other people's leagues that, um, that you're kind of sensing might be a trend in terms of, man, you know, this player is just going too high for my taste. You know, he's kind of in, the, in a zone uh, or ahead of, of some guys that just doesn't really belong. I mean, this is a, a rookie class where it's, it's more about, you know, just finding those guys that, uh, that you, you should fade maybe a little bit. It's not that you hate them. It's just you don't really like where they're going right. because there's a lot of players to target. Um, but is there somebody that you kind of seen, wow, you know, they're going just, just too high for my taste, and I've seen it more than once? Yeah, I've seen it twice now, and it's a head-scratcher to me. Keyshawn Vaughn at 111 in a super flex. Wow. So, yeah, that to me is pretty pricey. Like, I like Keyshawn Vaughn. I was very disappointed that he didn't get to play and compete in the, at the Senior Bowl, and I know you were disappointed as well. Um, I'm more of a, I'm going to hold it against him than you. You've already forgiven him. You've kissed, you've made up, even though you're supposed to keep your social distancing, you haven't. I saw you with him. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I like Keyshawn Vaughn, but not 111 in a super flex. Not that high. And I've seen it now twice. Yeah, I have too. I, I have I have eleven as the high I've seen, but he's going also. I mean, in the top fourteen or fifteen of Superflex, um, which again I understand it in a start one because again you're xing out three quarterbacks ahead of him. You know, typically, right. so so that's three spots higher. Um, so you kind of have to do that conversion math um, on on you know going back and forth from formats and and so again you, you back it up three four five spots and it makes a lot more sense to me. But yeah, he's he's definitely one I've seen where it's like. Oh, you know, so it sounds like because Keyshawn Vaughn was not a big name before the draft and it so it 
here's what it seems like. Now, maybe I'm giving, maybe I'm going too much broad stroke on the dynasty community at large because it takes a whole community for this to be a general thing that we're talking about that we're seeing as a, as a trend. Is that so? It sounds like any reasonable pedigree that of a running back that went to Tampa Bay, that was going to be where people went. That's what it sounds like to me. So insert, if that pick would have been Eno Benjamin, if that pick would have been, I'm just going through names, if that pick would have been Zach Moss, if it would have been Anthony McFarlane or Joshua Kelly or Darrington Evans, it sounds like there is eight to 10 names that that, based on who is still available in the draft, that that pick could have been by the Tampa Bay. And they'd be going basically right where Keisha, this has nothing, in my opinion, it has nothing to do with Keisha and Vaughn. It has everything to do with people hating Ronald Jones, right? Just... Well, yeah, okay. and and it's just, it just checking because that's so, what it, it, it that that to me is the simple explanation, right? But if you got Rojo at one hundred two to one hundred four a couple years ago, then this is a discount on that. So, <laughs> right, you know, you're, you're kind of hedging your bets. Maybe they're Rojo owners that want to handcuff him because they know that he may not win the job. I don't know, but. I've never looked at the correlation to see who exactly is drafting him. Are they Rojo owners or just random, you know, maybe they're weak at running back. I haven't looked behind the curtain to see uh, that, but it just, it's shocking. It just strikes me as people weren't on, I I can't remember where Keyshawn Vaughn was going before the draft, but the point is it was way later. Like third round. Way later. So again, I I am convinced if that was Joshua Kelly, he'd be going exactly the same spot. I don't disagree with that take. So, and, and, you know, it's so weird because I have turned from that rookie draft where I was like, do not, do not do it. Don't take Ronald Jones, please, please, for the love of anything, do almost anything else. And because I remember that was the year where was it like six? Was it six of the top eight picks were running backs? Like there was that big, big uh, you know, it was Geis and, and and Chubb and you know all those guys. And I remember every yeah. once in a while, you know, one of those guys. Sometimes it was Rojo, sometimes it was Penny, but it would be like they'd go two in one draft, eight in the other, you know, and all over the place. So I was out on Ronald Jones then. But what's weird is I'm circling around and it's all about price, and I'm kind of in now, you know, especially in I'm sure he's cheaper than he was before the draft. Kind of, oh, I'm yeah. kind of in, Katie. This is a bad, yeah. this is a bad mental space to be in. It's unfamiliar territory <laughs> for me. I'll tell you. I picked up a few yeah. Rojo shares. I know the value of a Tom Brady starting running back. Oh yeah. And and I think there's ten plus touchdown upside. Uh, I know that they probably have plans. I think Keyshawn Vaughn. You know, uh, he, you know he, is he probably going to catch more passes than than Ronald Jones if he's actually playing and he's the third down back? And maybe they have visions of him being a, a James White type or something. Not that they're trying to recreate any offenses. I mean, because they have Evans and Godwin and just boatloads. You know, but I just I just think if you get the running back right, and maybe this is the logic behind Keyshawn Vaughn. If you get the running back right in that offense this year. They could have, you know, again, maybe it's not 1,800 yards or anything, but they could certainly have 10, 12, 14 touchdowns just by fewer interceptions, more finished drives, more third down conversions, smarter plays in general, and all of a sudden they're getting cracks inside the 5 and 10-yard line way more often. The first time that Rojo misses a block and gets Tom Brady flattened I know. will be the I know. first time he's and, and we're, and he's I, I guess, just, and we're But we're assuming that a rookie running back is going to – be the elixir to that that's oh i didn't say that i'm not oh I'm i know not a oh, everyone everyone could Vaughn, have iron. everyone could have the uh the stink eye <laughs> everyone could have to go sit over there who knows what they're gonna do 
because it's not like they brought in. You know, who knows? Maybe they're going to bring somebody else in too. I mean, this may not be done. There are veteran, the one moving piece left, you know, for people that are just uh, globbing on to so-and-so, you know, of the rookie ranks is going to walk into some, you know, running back two or three situation is there are some good veteran running back names still out there that teams waited on. They want to see what happened in the draft. And now guys like Lamar Miller, Carlos Hyde, and, and a, a host of others, they're looking for work. And they're like, this 23-year-old ain't taking my job. <laughs> yep. So I've been there, done that. I've been in the league for seven years. Okay, you, you, you have fun over there. So yeah. I, I just think it's more likely that Keyshawn Vaughn is like down a half a round in cost in October than it is like people are, you know, people are, wow, I, I'm so glad I paid 111 or 201 for him, you know, this is just a, uh, a rising Phoenix type situation. I got it on the ground of floor at this IPO. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have no doubt that they will be come whatever. Yeah. And I'm not, anti, and I'm not anti Keyshawn Vaughn at all. It just feels like, Oh, I know he, you're one of his biggest, it just feels like the heat. You're one of his biggest fans. Hot. We got yeah. to turn, well, turn the, uh, the fan above the oven on. This is just getting, it's in dynasty. It's about the combination of cost yeah. and, you know, like, we like Keyshawn Vaughn as a Debbie player. He had a good profile. He was somebody worth taking late, late, late. He also late. was a late Debbie pick, which is a lot Ex- more palatable exa- than all of a that's sudden. That's why, yeah. exactly. That's why I stress late like three times because that's it. His cost back then was peanuts. Now people are stepping up in a Daryl Henderson-esque fashion and taking him in the first round, Miko Hardman also, uh, that same type of range. And I don't believe that it's worth that yeah that's actually that's actually not a bad example of assuming the perfect storm is going to occur that really does reek of daryl henderson last year doesn't it mm-hmm. it was like you know what we're kind of we're going to kind of ignore some of these things and we're just going to go beeline tractor beam straight for you know what we think is the optimal outcome and it ended up with the rams the offense wasn't as good todd Gurley actually was healthy the entire time. And you wouldn't know any of those storylines even existed that were kind of leading into that year. And again, I'm not saying, you know, Rojo isn't uh, Todd Gurley or anything like that, but just there's a lot of assumptions and it, it's a little eerily uh, familiar in terms of just anointing, assuming, and, and we know what that happens, you know, at the quarterback position in Superflex when we do that. Um, there's applicable uh, examples as well at running back. Um, Katie, do you have any uh, any final thoughts? You you are going through some rookie drafts. Um, we're going to get back into recalibrating for for post draft in terms of startup values. Rookie draft season is here. Um, anything you want to add in terms of caveats, words of warning, or words of wisdom uh, for listeners? I I do. Um, I'm going to go hallmark on you, Chad. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's been a while since you've called me hallmark, and maybe the <laughs> listeners have forgotten that I have a soft side too, but. Just this last weekend, having normalcy for even for, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever the full length of the draft, the excitement leading up to the draft, watching the NFL draft go off without a hitch, watching these young men fulfill their dreams. And, you know, you may like them, you may not like them. It doesn't matter. These guys are young men that have worked their butts off to get to the position that they are and to be 
uh, able to be drafted in an NFL situation, whether the season starts on time, whether the season gets delayed a little bit. We had some freaking normalcy this weekend. And it reminded me also, I look back and I couldn't believe that it's been just a little over five years that I joined Under the Helmet as a podcaster. Um, I started Dynasty in 2014 and it was in 2015 that I joined you, Chad, as a guest first, as somebody that was writing emails getting advice from you, and then uh, coming on as a guest with you and Doug. And then when Doug had to go uh, for whatever the reasons you asked me to join, and I said, I would absolutely love to. And thank you to the listeners. You guys are like family. Whenever I do finally get to travel again, I do reach out when I'm in a different city. I do like to meet you guys. I love to have a beer, have a conversation, whatever. Hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions. To the best of my ability, when I have time, I absolutely will get back to you. But thank you, guys. And I know it's a struggle right now with everything going on with COVID-19 and got to stay inside. And some states are starting to loosen up. And and, uh, I know Georgia reopened part of it. Texas is going to reopen May 1st. A lot of people disagree with that. I'm still going to stay home for the most part unless I have to go out. But Just thank you guys for being there. And and Chad, I love you, and I love just being a part of this whole thing. Well said, Katie. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to remember time before you were around. You know, before, you know, we were interacting and recording shows together, talking Debbie and Dynasty and all of that stuff. Uh, it's been, it's actually been about the amount of time I would have guessed, um, but it feels, you know, it's hard to remember time before that um, would be a good way to say it. Um, everything you were saying, I mean, just for folks that have, a startup draft or two, or you've got your slew of rookie drafts going over the next few weeks, I encourage you to enjoy it, savor it. Uh, the normalcy, as you mentioned, of, of the dynasty calendar that, that really enjoy and savor, you know, the, the people that are like, come on, you know, you're on the clock, hurry up and pick. It's like, we don't really have anything we're rushing to. You know, there are no rookie, you know, rookie camps and, and OTAs or really anything at present scheduled firmly on an NFL clockwork calendar, you know, so, so really enjoy it, uh, savor it. That doesn't mean, you know, getting all, uh, getting all rushed about it and, and trying to, you know, make a bunch of trades that don't make sense, but it just means enjoy the process. Enjoy the fact that we have a rookie class that, as you said, the, that the NFL draft went off without a hitch. It was here as scheduled declared a while back that it was going to occur and, and they were successful in those avenues. And now, you know, we have a rookie draft season to, to enjoy and savor, evaluate and ultimately improve our dynasty teams. Um, so again, if you want to support what we do, uh, this is just this show is the poster child for additional content that is available through UTHDynasty.com, also patreon.com slash UTH. The UTH draft guide is out and complete. Uh, that was done over the course of the weekend uh, so that now when in the heart of, of folks making all those rookie bets with your currency, uh, you can make the best decisions possible with the historical information and data you need uh, to properly evaluate the 2020 rookie class. Um, So you can get that uh, for purchase that's available on the UTH Dynasty site. You can also qualify for free as a UTH patron. So thanks so much for listening. Enjoy rookie draft season. Katie Flowers at FF underscore Skyler 399. And I'm at Chad Parsons NFL. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.